You're listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author Sarah Box, where you get the inside scoop on the steps action takers and decision makers take to align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. We focus on the mantra, no labels, no limits, no excuses. Each week, you'll hear from remarkable guests who have overcome challenges and obstacles to succeed in the face of adversity. By listening to their stories, you'll get practical tips, tools, and resources you can implement today to bust through your own internalized prisons of worry and doubt. And now, without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box. Welcome to this episode of the No Labels, No Limits podcast, a podcast all about helping action takers and decision makers like you align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. Hi, I'm Sarah, founder and chief vision Sherpa of Sarah Box Coaching and Consulting. I'm a change agent, former executive director, and best-selling author of The Changemaker Ripple Effect. And I'm here to tell you that the life you want is possible with the right support, mindset, and strategy. And with that in mind, let me tell you about who our guest today is. We are going to be joined by Royce Morales. Now, Royce has owned a retail business for 21 years, but we're going to really be talking about the aspect of her when she founded Perfect Life Awakening Program. Now, this program is an accelerated, spiritually-based inner makeover teaching. Doesn't that just sound interesting to hear that? So, Perfect Life Awakening, PLA, is the main thing we're going to be talking about. But I want to let you know she's also an author. She's written numerous blogs. She's guest blogged. And she is the author of three books, Want, True Love, Past Lives, and Other Complications, No, A Spiritual Wake-Up Call, and Back, Rebirth After Stroke. Each of those sounds entirely readable and interesting to me. Her program, though, helps people uncover and release false notions and break through the stuck areas of their life. And her teachings have been brought to thousands of people for decades. So in this episode, you're going to learn how Royce helps people discover, excavate, and release the roots of what's holding them back. What happens to us when we finally do get to the source of our fears and repetitive patterns, how her 21 years in business connects to and from the work she does today, and probably most importantly for all of us listening and participating is how we can begin to discover the depths of who we really are and why we are here. So with that as an introduction, let's welcome our guest, Royce Morales. Hi, Royce. Hi, thank you so much. This is exciting. It's been good for me. And it was fun just when we were doing our technical check for me to realize that we do have some geographical intersections, although we've actually (laughs) never met in person. That's true. Hey, so before I get into peppering you with questions, um, let me ask you if there's a non-negotiable or a ritual or a habit that you do daily that keeps you focused on what you try to accomplish in life. Uh, I don't know if it really keeps me focused, but I, since I stopped drinking coffee many years ago, I've been always looking for something that has that same kind of feel that a nice cup of coffee has in the morning. And I found this amazing stuff, and it's called Ticino. 
And it tastes like coffee, but it's healthy and it's organic. And I just, uh, I look forward to it every morning. So that's my ritual. Okay, now I got to ask about that because as we sit here, I have my glass of water, which I make myself drink water all the time, and my half-finished cup of coffee. So tell me about Ticino. What is it? Is it based in in tea? Is it really a tea product? It's a tea product, but it's made with chicory and carob and all kinds of bizarre things and they have different flavor. They've got mint and they've got raspberry and they've got, you know, mushroom adaptogens. It's just so healthy and yummy. It's wonderful. You make it just like coffee. You pour the water over it and then do a French press and it's just, oh, so good. All right. I'm going to be checking it out. And if I get like addicted to it and feel like I have to have that in addition to everything, I'll let you know. Okay, you, you will get, get addicted to, to it. Yeah, you can work with me and get to the root of what's <laughs> up with all that. <laughs> okay. So anyway, I do want to start by asking you a question. When I was prepping for this, I was reading through your materials, and you said that you arrived in this life with an insatiable quest to understand the mysteries of the mind, emotions, and spirit. What do you mean by that? Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, imagine that... Your mother is a certified genius, and she was in college when she was 12 because they skipped her all these grades. And she has this child, me, she has this child that is asking her, well, what happens when you die, mom? And what is the meaning of life, mom? Even, you know, at the age of three, (laughs) she would sit there and she just, she didn't know what to say to me. She didn't know how to deal with me. And she was not a religious person, so she couldn't fall back on the religious doctrines. And so there I was. And I started literally my my spiritual quest, I would say, in high school. I started reading philosophy and uh, studying religions, and nothing stuck. Nothing fed that, that insatiable questioning that I had. And when I started college, I took philosophy classes. I I just did it all. And then I started taking various um, personal development courses. This is back in the 70s, and they were brand new, and I I did all of them. (laughs) And, And I'd go out of these wonderful, you know, quote, enlightening events, and I just, I would be fine for about a day, you know, but then I'd be right back to where I started from. And it was so frustrating because I just knew there had to be something that would stick. There had to be something that would fill this, the questions or the need or the, you know, something that would just help me in life. And I was taking, I was involved in what was referred to as the spiritualist society. And what that was, I don't think it exists anymore, but what it was, was a a little group of people that would meet every week in a little cutesy little storefront in Beverly Hills. And that's the only reason I went in there because it's in Beverly Hills. It must be legit. (laughs) And so packaging is everything. (laughs) Packaging is definitely everything. I would not have gone in there if it was in a weird location, right? So um at one point I had been there about three years and it actually was a a a course that taught you how to be a medium or a channeler. They called us mediums in those days. But So I was very involved in it and I was getting in touch with how to channel, how to to reach inside and um, 
get in touch with spirits and, you know, find out information that way. And I was, I was very good at it. I was actually put on display there many times. And one night my teacher couldn't do the class and she said, Hey, Royce, you know, would you come and just take over the class for a week? And, and I said, sure. And I'm thinking, Oh God, <laughs> I can't do this. And so I got to the class and I basically didn't really do much of anything except I allowed all these people to talk and share and get to know each other. And after the class, everybody was hugging me and saying, oh, my God, that was the best thing in the whole world. And I'm thinking, okay, I didn't do anything really. And this one woman came up to me and she said, hey, you seem to know a lot of stuff. Would you consider teaching me? And I thought, oh, my God, this woman is insane. I don't know anything. What? Huh? And so out of my mouth came, sure, I'd love to bring your friends. <laughs> so she arrived in my living room a couple weeks later with 10 of her friends. And really, the rest is history. And I had no idea that it was my path, shall we say. I had no idea that this was my destiny, that this is what I was supposed to be doing until I sat there and people would ask me questions and answers would come. and literally everything that I taught was intuitively received. And, you know, I, they'd leave at the end of the night and I would sit there and go, oh my God, what did I say? You know, I'd play back the tape and I'd, I'd be crying and going, oh my God, what am I doing? I don't know anything. But they would bring their friends and more people would arrive. And eventually I started a center where I taught my classes for, you know, probably 30 years or so. And that's how it started. It was just based on that there's got to be more. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, okay. So I can imagine, um, like, first of all, kudos on having the guts when someone said, you say, oh, sure, come and bring your friends. <laughs> oh, it was terrifying. I'll tell you, I was shaking when I said it, but it, it was like I had to get those words out. And they wouldn't stop coming to me. So, well, yeah. think about it. What if you had kept quiet and didn't offer who I just think about the missed opportunities for everybody who's benefited from you. Yeah. So that I always like it when folks take a risk because you just don't know, and it might not even be immediate that people know, and you may never know, right? They may go off and their life is so much better and they just don't pick up the phone or email you back and say, Hey, Rice, here's how I'm doing 10 years later. Um, but let me ask you this. When you listened to that tape and you heard what you had been saying, did you question at all where that was coming from or did you trust it? How, do you, how did you get from um, being in the learning phase to really trusting and moving on what was coming to you? Well, I guess the best answer is I trusted it because it wasn't coming from me. <laughs> You know, it was coming from somewhere. It was so profound. For example, I had somebody one time ask me a question, you know, because I was was kind of spouting off all of the spiritual information. And she said, well, that's all well and good, but how do you live it? And I said, and in my head, I'm thinking, God, I don't know. I sure wish I knew. That's what I've been searching for my whole life. But out of my mouth came, well, this is how you do it. And I explained the whole process and she, everybody in the room kind of sat there with their eyes bugging out and said, okay. <laughs> and I said, okay, well, let's do it. And so I, I did the information that I received. I actually applied it right then in front of the whole group and it worked. 
and everything in that woman's life changed. I said, oh, maybe there's something to this. And I started doing the, the same process on myself and I started teaching others how to do it. And that's how I, that is how I trusted it, watching the results and watching the fact that, hey, I don't know any of this. It's not coming from me. So it must be true. <laughs> Sometimes we hear and we, it isn't coming from us, right? It's in our core. But then we go, well, that's just that's my ego or it's just me talking. So we discount it and possibly don't even act on it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so then that was early on, pretty early on when you started doing this. And then how did that evolve to become um, PLA? Well, step by step. Um, people used to call it, oh, I, I do that Royce class thing. <laughs> And and it started to sound funny because I had, you know, three or four classes uh, every night or whatever. And I said, all right, I need to give it a name. And so I was sitting in meditation, which is what I use in the classes. And I literally saw three words go by my little mental screen. And it was perfect life awakening. And so I said, okay, that's the name. And so everything happened like that. I was, you know, I had not even thought about the fact of opening a center, same thing happened. I was sitting in meditation and I literally saw the street and I saw the address and I said, okay. And I got in my car the next day and found this, this address and had a big for rent sign in it. And I rented it right then. So everything has been that way. People arrive. Um, the information arrives. I've never had to struggle with it, you know, until the last few years when everything became, you know, techie and I'm still teaching these small groups. So now people want the technology aspect, which I'm, you know, slowly relinquishing. <laughs> so yeah, that's how it all happened. So, so you're you're not a fast adopter of the technology? Uh oh my technology is horrible, but it's slowly starting I shouldn't say that. I you know it used to be horrible, but now I'm just really adjusting to it and I actually like it. I love it, you know, because I can reach that many more people and I can have discussions with people like you and it's exciting. It really is. You can reach more people, Royce. I mean, I think that's a great thing. And at times like this where we are current I mean, we're current currently recording this and we're still in various stages of lockdown depending on where we live in the u.s or the world and so people would be missing out it's true it's so true. okay yeah. that's my little rah-rah for tech and being able yeah. to that's my pep talk for you that's all i got <laughs> i want to know you know one of the other things you say is um how important it is for us as people and the impact it can have the possibilities that it can unleash when we recognize and also accept that situations in our lives are mirrors showing us a part of ourselves that we're in denial of. What do you mean by that? Oh, that is the crux of what I teach. But I have to tell you, it's the hardest aspect of what I teach. Plus, it usually takes four or five weeks before I even bring up that topic for people. But it's so important and honestly, I think that if people understood that, if enough mass consciousness understood the mirroring concept, we would have world peace. You know, and that's how strongly I feel about it. But basically, mirroring means that there's some aspects of ourself that we've either pushed down, suppressed, denied, 
uh, covered up in some way. And because we're higher consciousness beings that want to grow and want to evolve and want to become more spiritually minded, we literally attract or subconsciously choose situations and people that are going to show us those mirrors. And they're going to say, and we're going to say, oh, you know, wow, that person is a jerk or that person is horrible instead of seeing that they're just reflecting a part of us that's unhealed or unacknowledged or unrecognized or pushed down. So once we see that, once we get in touch with what they're mirroring to us, the anger goes away, the judgment goes away, we're able to see and accept them and maybe even thank them and love them. So it's so powerful. And, you know, we can do it in in an instant. You know, I mean, I teach people how to get to the root of why something is being mirrored to us, but the actual understanding and the technique of it can be like that. You know, you can look at somebody and go, oh, I'm judging them because they're, you know, addicted or something, or I'm judging them because they're overweight, or I'm judging them because they're screaming at their child, whatever it is, we start noticing those thoughts or those judgments, and we can instantly turn it around and go, okay, how am I judging myself in the same way? Maybe I don't drink, but maybe I eat chocolate chip cookies, you know? So there's something that's similar. There's something that they're reflecting that in some way is part of us. There's something about us that we're judging, that we're not in touch with. And so there are these mirrors arrive to wake us up and they're really our best friends. They really are. It's amazing. So when when we have that that recognition or that awareness, and without going through five weeks at this moment, I'm going to push you a little bit on this just because I think it's important. And I know for me, just that ability for me to know when I'm having a reaction to something, it really is rarely about that person. It's never about that person. <laughs> you know, I'm like going, never. Well, no, wait. Sometimes I just have to make it about them for five more minutes because I'm, oh, yeah. you know, I'm stuck in the loop of like, wow, wow, wow. But, um, but no, you're correct. It's not about, it is about me, right? Otherwise, I wouldn't have noticed. It would have just gone past me. Tired of feeling stuck and ending with the same result? Want to know how Sarah can help you with one-on-one or organizational coaching? Then book your free discovery call at sarahbox.com forward slash contact. Now, back to the show. We have the awareness. What do I do with it? I mean, I can ask myself that question, but oftentimes by the point at which you've noticed, if you've noticed, if you've had the awareness to notice, you may be emotionally or spinning on something else. So how, what do you do with that? That's a great question because that's what I teach my students how to do. I teach them to, first of all, notice that, wow, this, this situation is pushing my buttons or this person, I'm judging them. Or I'm even, like you said, just noticing it. You know, the, the expression, you spot it, you got it. I love that expression. So, <laughs> but that's really the first step. And sometimes in life, that's all you really need. You just need to realize, okay, this person is mirroring my blah, blah, blah aspect. But to really resolve it, you've got to dig deeper. You've got to find the roots. You've got to, you know, I I jokingly tell my students when they arrive in my classes, I'm giving you a shovel and a mirror. That's all you need in life. So you've got to get to the roots. You've got to get to where did I decide that, Whatever. So I'll, I'll use the addictiveness example. So I'm noticing somebody's addictive 
and I'm judging them. And I realize, oh, it's because my addiction to chocolate chip cookies that they're showing me. So where did I decide that I needed to be addicted to chocolate chip cookies? What is that really about for me? And when you find the source, you find the roots and you pull them up, you know, then that addictiveness part of you goes away and you, you no longer be, you'll, you won't be judging anybody that's addictive. They'll just be a person that happens to like a glass of wine. You know, they wouldn't have that, wouldn't have that charge to it. Yeah. That's There's a great explanation sources. of it. Thank you. Um, so, but there are benefits to, to doing that, right? To unearthing that and releasing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so what are some of the changes folks can expect? You make different choices. Some people remember their real purpose in life, why they're here. Um, I think, God, there's so many things that happen, but I think the primary one is that you're able to feel more love. So I'm able to now love that person that is drinking the wine that I was judging five minutes ago because I'm just seeing that they're just me, you know, and by forgiving myself and, and releasing all of that, I'm able to love myself more, which allows me to love others more. There's so many, I mean, there's, you know, I could give you a, a thousand different things that happen, but really life transformation is probably the biggest one. Yeah. Just, I do think that question about what the uh, purpose is, like, why, what's my purpose? Why am I here? Or even you're in your younger years, that thirst, right? That's so symbolized to me, like, okay, you knew you had something, but you just couldn't figure it out at the moment, right? Um, and followed, followed that. But you talked about like, trusting intuition, and then knowing the purpose. How, how do those things link? Do they link? Trusting your intuition and discovering your purpose? Yeah. I think people sometimes infer when you talk about intuition that you're psychic, you know, I don't, I think it's very different than that. Psychic is kind of reading thoughts and, you know, that sort of thing. Um, kind of the woo woo aspect of things, but intuition is just trusting that I know, you know, I know what my purpose is. I don't know how I'm going to get there. I don't know what I have to do to get there, but I just know it. Um, there were a lot of times that that happened to me, including my books. You know, I was told intuitively, you need to write. I'm not a writer, you know, <laughs> I'm not a teacher, I'm not a writer, but I, I literally would sit down and words would come to me and I'd write them down. And I had an interesting experience one time where I knew it so clearly that I had to write a book, but because I was struggling so hard with trusting that intuitively that I just said, oh, forget it. I'm not going to do this. And interestingly enough, I, I developed the worst pain I've ever had in my life on my hands. I couldn't, I, I literally couldn't even open or close my hands. It was excruciating. And so I sat down to meditate and I said, okay, what's going on here? And I heard loud and clear, it's because you're not writing. And I said, but I can't write. My fingers hurt. <laughs> and this little voice said to me, sit down at the keyboard, see what happens. So I sat down, started to write. My hand was fine. Literally, the pain went away. So it's that kind of thing that there's a deep sense of knowingness about it that you just, if you deny it or if you try to bypass it or you ignore it, nothing works. You know, everything stops. It's yeah. that interesting um, paradox of resisting. Yes, definitely. So you brought up your books. Let's talk about your books. Now, you had three books. 
Um, so I was only going to ask you about one, but I just want you to lightly touch on each one at a high level because they're all unique and they all have a different um, purpose and message. Um, and then I'm going to come back and ask you some specific questions. Okay. You're good um, with that? Sure, yeah. Okay. The first one is called Want, True Love, Past Lives, and Other Complications. And this is the, the book that I struggled with because um, it was very out there. The information was really out there. And it was terrifying to me to, to be so vulnerable to express and, and talk about it. Um, and it's kind of a semi-fictionalized story about a spiritual teacher who meets her soulmate while she's married to somebody she loves very dearly. And I talk about how I knew that, how, how this person knew that, and what happened. And it really is about discovering that soulmate love is nothing at all what you think. That's that I And I talk about past lives, and I get into all kinds of really woo-woo things in there. It's, it's really fun. Uh, the second one that I wrote is called No, K-N-O-W, A Spiritual Wake-Up Call. And that one goes very specifically into what I teach. Um, I talk about how the mind gets programmed, and I talk about what does it mean to be higher consciousness, and I talk a lot about mirrors, uh, but I get into some really specific details and a lot of examples in there of what happens from this work and all kinds of good, fun stuff. Um, it's kind of like a workbook. There's, there's kind of like little journaling assignments and homework assignments at the end of each chapter. It's really, really enlightening. And the third one called Back, Rebirth After Stroke, is it's kind of an interesting story as to how it got written. My husband had a massive stroke five years ago, and um, we had our retail store at that point. And I started posting on Facebook, telling people, you know, status reports, but I'm kind of wordy. And so in each posting, I would say, and here's what I've learned spiritually from this. And here's how I'm applying my teachings through this situation. And after about five weeks of doing that, because he was in the hospital for quite a while, I had people that you know, I had hundreds of followers and they were all like, you know, you didn't post anything yesterday. You better tell us what's going on. And I'm getting so much value from this. You better put it together in a book. And so I did. And it's, it was really kind of, it was my story, but it was really aimed at anybody going through a life challenging situation so that they could apply some of their spiritual awareness and mirroring and all the tools that I teach people. So yeah, that, that's that one. Okay. I do want to talk about that one. I was thought before we started, I'd ask you about a different book, but um, I do want to talk about that one for a couple reasons. One, because I think um, the lessons you learned while you learned them from your husband's experience with a stroke also apply to people who may be dealing with some, someone who is surviving or currently going through COVID, right? Um, or any, like you said, any major life-threatening thing. So especially when we're in these times where people feel unsettled and, you know, I know people say, I can't wait till things get back to normal. And I think they were never normal. They change all the time, but they were more predictable. Right. Right. Yeah. More predictable. So share some of what you learned through your journey about that and that whole piece of handling that 
and your spiritual lessons, I guess, is better than handling it so that folks can maybe draw some conclusions or parallels to what they're handling now? Well, <laughs> this too goes pretty deep. Um, one of the things that I teach people is that there's no coincidences. We've made choices as to what we're here to learn and what we're here to experience. Um, everything was chosen on some level, usually subconsciously. And so the minute my husband had his stroke, because I'm so it's so ingrained in me to think like that, I started asking that question, well, why did I need to go through this? Why did I set this up? Why did I choose somebody that on some level I knew was going to be disabled? You know, we've been married for years and, you know, I'm now with somebody that's, that's basically disabled. What do I need to learn from that? Or why did I set that up? Why did I choose that? Why did I experience that? And I did a lot of inner work on that, which really helped because it was terrifying. You know, I didn't know what I was doing. I'm not a caregiver. You know, my husband was completely healthy and we're both vegetarians and he's real active and, you know, athletic. And it was a total shock. So, yeah, I mean, I, I wish I could, could draw upon some of the, the lessons that I learned, but there's so, there, there's, you know, and, and I'm still continuing to learn every day. But, you know, what is he mirroring? <laughs> what is the fear that he's bringing up? Why is it that it's so scary for me to care, be a caregiver? You know, so all of those questions were just, you know, running my life and they still, they still come up a lot. So, yeah, that it's, it's a good book for anybody going through situations that are terrifying on any level. Yeah. That's interesting. I remember um, having, helping someone come out of a situation where, that sense of responsibility, like I didn't sign up for this, but it's really the questions that come up and being able to say, why do I even think that or worry that? Or so. Um, and when you said, I didn't sign up for this, that was the mantra that was going through my head <laughs> repeatedly. And so I, I sat down to do some deep inner work about that. And I realized, I mean, I, I did a lot of processing and a lot of going back and seeing the pattern that the two of us had shared together. And it was pretty amazing stuff that came out of it because a lot of it was past life stuff. A lot of it was, well, he took care of you in that lifetime. Now you get to take care of him. You know, so it's that kind of stuff. So you start to see that it's all interconnected. And of course it was perfect that here we are together doing this little dance right now. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And thanks for writing the book on it. I, it's interesting how you started as a blog. At least you couldn't say, I, I can't write. <laughs> you didn't have to go through the painful <laughs> exactly. hands thing, right? <laughs> yeah. And people who are going, yeah, what? You're stopping? Get it down. So, oh, I know. Yeah, it was, but it felt so good to know that people, you know, even though it was virtual, it was on Facebook, for God's sakes, it still filled, filled that that connecting need or that support need that humans have, no matter what form it takes. So it was wonderful. Every day I'd open my Facebook and go, oh, I have 200 likes. I love it, you know? So, yeah. yeah we, we do want to be connected. I think that's one of the toughest things right now is that we, we can connect, but not in the way sometimes we need and want to. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Um, as we wrap this up, can you... I'm just imagining someone's listening and they're thinking, okay, all of this sounds great, but, and I want to know um, how to really understand or discover the depths of who I really am. 
Is there one or two baby steps you'd say, hey, Sarah, start here, just start here, and the rest will start like unfolding? Um, well, of course, the best is to just contact me and we can start doing it. <laughs> but if you can't do that for some reason, the best thing to do is just start to be observant, start to notice the judgments, notice the buttons, notice the fears. Um, when I first started this work, if you had told me that I had fears, I would have laughed in your face because I never knew I had fears. I was that suppressed and in that in so much denial that, well, wait, you know, I, I fly on airplanes just fine and I go to restaurants by myself. I don't have fears, but the deeper fears, we all have them and they might not be superficial, you know, but they might be something like, you know, fear of telling the truth or fear of uh, being vulnerable. Or for, I mean, there's like a zillion fears that we have. So start to notice those because once you start to notice and admit that, that oh yeah, I've got fears and I've got judgments and I've got all this stuff going on that I've been covering over, you know, with nice little spiritual cliches or I call them spiritual bypasses, you know, once you start to notice all that, it's going to give you a direction to at least be conscious and aware so that you can make other choices or you can see the mirror, or you can discover, you know, maybe there is something I need to look at here. So yeah, that's the best thing to do, I think. Cool. We're going to, for all you listeners who say, okay, Royce, how do you spell Royce? What? Where do I find her? All of that will be in the show notes, so you don't have to worry about it. Um, but if you want to know how to spell Royce, Morales is pretty easy to spell, but if you want to know how to spell Royce, think Rolls Royce. <laughs> Royce. Well, and as you pointed out to me, it means queen. So I just think that's fitting. <laughs> so you. with with that, Royce, I just want to thank you again for being a guest on the No Labels, No Limits podcast. So much. Keep up the good work. You've been listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author, change agent, and strategic vision coach Sarah Box. You can grab the show notes and find out how to work with Sarah at sarahbox.com forward slash no labels, no limits podcast. We'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible. So please remember to rate, leave a five-star review and share the podcast with someone you think would get value from this conversation. Until next time, keep taking those daily action steps to align your purpose to your principles and achieve your goals in business and life.